This is Box to Box Stoppage Time with Michael Edgeley and Willem van Denderen. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time. You're with Will and Van Denderen and Michael Edgley for a podcast spun off from our main show. You'll have recalled earlier in the week we've discussed our games, moments and hot topics and that we promised a very special guest for today. Richard Rashid Hussain is an Australian of Lebanese descent who's lived in the Persian Gulf for 15 years and has just completed a contract with the Grenegold Army as head of events and cultural attaché. Richard is fluent in Arabic language and has a unique perspective on the FIFA World Cup that has just gone in Qatar. Richard, welcome to Box to Box. Hey, Willem. Hi, Michael. Thank you for having me. Richard, off the back of that intro, what is the overriding opinion of the people on the street in the Persian Gulf on the impact of the event that we've just seen in Qatar? Look, uh, it's been super positive. Uh, I, I, I'm living in Dubai, so obviously uh, it's, it's about an hour away flight from from Qatar, but uh, from my friends in Qatar and whilst we were in Qatar, super positive and also in Dubai, it's been huge, really, really positive, great feedback across the board. Everyone you seem to pop into, you know, I've told them, you know, I've just come back from Qatar, everyone says, oh my God, what an event. I heard it went so well, the Qataris did so well. So I haven't heard nothing negative here in the Middle East, to be honest. Uh, Richard, uh, Brother Rash, as we call you. It's great to see you, Rash. Um, we've spent a lot of time together over the last year, so obviously we've developed a good bond and friendship. Um, I think this discussion that we're about to have is really important because um, you and I, in the back of taxis, uh, waiting waiting for meetings, uh, scoping out event venues, uh, sorting out uh, technical issues with uh, equipment, uh, food menus, entertainment we've had a lot of time to shoot the breeze and uh, we often have spoken about um the western media's perspective of this event in the lead up to the event in particular the conflation of social and what we would call loosely cultural norms in the arabic world uh, or the islamic world that uh, seem to offend uh, rightly or wrongly uh, westerners and how those issues were dragged into the dialogue about the event so i think this is an important uh, discussion that we have for our listeners that they get to um, hear a perspective from your part of the world on how that's been received um just you know um talking to your um islamic and arabic friends in the middle east and your networks uh yeah from north africa you know through the middle east to the persian gulf they're quite extensive um do you think most um you know, you know, educated, uh, sort of level-headed people uh, have been disappointed with the conflation of um, the what we call the cultural, social norms with this event, and and has the Islamic world and Qatar generally been treated fairly in the Western media's um, coverage of the event, in particular in the lead-up? Big question there, uh, Michael. Um, first thing, first things first. I don't, in in my humble opinion, I don't think it's been the Western media has, uh, I think it's been, and of course, this is only my personal view, but it's been quite ignorant to what what happens on the ground um, because um, I've been in the Persian Gulf for like like almost 15 years. So I don't think that that they, um, I think they were treated pretty harshly with what was going on and what are, the, are some of the things that were going on. And 
You would recall also, Michael, that once we were there, even uh, people that were coming to Qatar for the first time, after the first, second day, third day, people just adjusted. They loved the place and had wonderful experiences. So all that whole, you know, kafashal, the whole thing that happened in, in the lead up was really framing things in a negative way about, and, you know, there's no country that's perfect for sure. Uh, but, yeah, it was, and, and, you know, talking to some local friends in Qatar, even in Dubai, even some friends in Saudi, they, you know, the, it was, what's the big fuss? Why is everyone making a big fuss about this being in the Middle East? So, uh, yeah, I think it was, you know, especially in Qatar, I think it was, it was, you know, I don't think they took offense of it, but they almost made it as, in my, again, my view, it was almost like, we're going to, well, we're going to prove it to you and show you how, how you know, welcoming and, and uh, you know, everything. And to be honest, after this experience, uh, you know, I thought it was amazing. It was an amazing event, an amazing, what they tried to do within the, within their um experience i think they did pretty well and you know and i know because we dealt with on the ground in back of taxis and stuff michael that you know uh they are not you know world class with they don't have an events industry like what we're used to probably in australia us etc but to be honest i think they did the best that they could and i think it was okay in the end i mean you know it was at times could be frustrating because uh, we're not used to, but as long as we understood that, you know, we have a different expectation, it was fine in the end. So we got there. So I hope that sort of answers your question because you you, you asked about three questions in one, Michael. So, I did. You know. I did. I, <laughs> so, I, I, I'm absolutely known for that. So you did exceptionally well, Rash, to uh, eloquently right. uh, unpack my three questions in one. Um, yeah. I think this one, um, I want you – this two questions I'm going to ask about the first one. I just want you to reflect on the, on the um, impact of Morocco's run uh, in the world cup uh, for African and Arabic and Islamic uh, countries. Um, we saw it firsthand, didn't we? It was just a beautiful thing to watch and the impact, but can you just uh, explain about uh, what that meant to the Islamic world, in, in particular North Africa, Middle East and Persian Gulf, that whole region which is so interconnected? Look, uh, it was massive. It's the first time I've ever witnessed anything like that. And just, you know, to remind even for you, uh, you know, people are listening into the show is that we left after the Australian game against Argentina. So I had some time to come back here and, and and get a good feel of whilst I was in Dubai, of the 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 positive vibe of what's happening with Morocco's going through. You'd go to all the restaurants, cafes. The, it was packed. Everyone's got Moroccan colours, and everyone's really flying the flag. So it was super positive. And you know, who can forget? You know, those images of of you know, I think one of the mothers that's wearing a hijab and and she's you know hugging one of the players. So it went. Everyone was there from even from the. Um, the ruler of Dubai would, would you know, put out an Instagram post that, you know, wishing Moroccan, our brothers, et cetera, that, you know, wishing him well before the game. So super positive. Uh, yeah. It was, it, was, it was something I've never seen before, Michael, to be honest. And obviously with the interconnected nature of North Africa, Middle East, uh, through to the Persian Gulf, um, these um, countries all 
have um, migrant communities uh, that uh, work in each other's countries. And there's a big Moroccan community in the Emirates and Saudi. There's a big Moroccan community in Qatar. So uh, they were well and surely out. But just reflect on the Arab Brotherhood. We talk about it a lot. Um, it wasn't only the Moroccans getting behind Morocco. It was, um, it was the entire Gulf region. They really did take on Morocco as a representative of um, their own, didn't they? Absolutely. And that was the point. I think in general, in other things, I've never seen this before. So whether it's music and, you know, or some, I've never ever seen, uh, you know, I can't, how do I explain it? Seeing how sport has, you know, combined and put people together. And because you got to remember, Morocco, although it's sort of Arabic speaking, well, it is, but um, their language is very hard to understand. Um, so I'm giving you a bit of a cultural background. And they're right closer to, to, to Europe. So there's a lot of differences. Yet with this and the World Cup, we were almost like, it was like jowled. It was, it was, a, it was amazing that how everyone, whether you're, you're, you're Lebanese or you're Iraqi, everyone was just on the back and going, you know, let's, let's do it. And it didn't mean whether or not you're Muslim because you could be Christian and Lebanese and whatever, and everyone was behind it. So it just, it brought everyone together. And that, that, that was, I couldn't believe what, what the sport has done for that. It was unbelievable. I was listening to a, a podcast, the football, uh, Guardian Football Weekly, which is uh, one of the most successful and well-listened podcasts. And they had an email from a Islamic uh, gentleman from India who mentioned that there was hundreds of million Muslims around the world who felt uh, represented by what was happening in Qatar 2022. Um, that they felt uh, his his email was very articulate and very well put. Um, he his opinion was that he felt criticisms of Qatar were petty and disconnected to Muslim culture. Uh, and I guess one yep. of the uh, yeah. one of the examples that we can possibly talk about is uh, Messi's Capegate, uh, the Emir of Qatar, um, giving him the honour of a very special uh, a cape, for uh, want of a better word, and how immediately the Western media and um, uh, felt that was uh, the wrong thing to do, and and were critical of Qatar without potentially understanding the significance of it. So. Is that a good example of where people in the West just don't take enough time to understand the culture of, uh, of Arab, Islamic and uh, Persian Gulf, Middle Eastern countries? A hundred percent. And, and, and I was just hoping that this worldwide, you know, the biggest event in the world has opened some eyes to people about, you know, you could be very ignorant about what, what's happening in the Persian Gulf if you've never been in there. So um, definitely, and 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 the token of what we're talking about, Messi and the Cape, it's almost like you know when you go to like Hawaii and they give you this, you know, the aloha, they give you the thing, the flowers, and, and you know, as a necklace. It's like a show of respect. It's like welcome. So I think. People have put that out of perspective, but that was just absolute respect from the, from the um, the rule of Qatar. So, yeah, I don't want to say I wouldn't want to say the word petty, but um, I just say that it's just ignorance. And until uh, people experienced it, it you know it it w went really positive. Yeah. 
Richard, I suppose that speaks sort of in a more aggressive sense to the concept of the white saviour or the Western saviour. And we saw this play out, unfortunately, um, with the uh, the now late Grant, Boyle, uh, Grant Wall, the, the US journo, who uh, was one of a number of sort of Western presences who I think went there pretty keen, particularly early on, to impose their values on uh, on, on a different part of the world, basically. And Grant's no longer with us, and that's very unfortunate, but I think we can all sort of reach the consensus that that is coincidental as well. So is there a sense from people on the street in the Persian Gulf of this, you know, the white or the Western saviour and the Western values perhaps eroding their own culture? Is this seen as something to be warded off? Is it seen as, as insulting? Um, I don't know how to answer that question, to be honest, because um, I, don't, I don't have enough information on it, to be honest, Willem. Um, yeah. But if I look at it in the pragmatic view and just in general, and not just in sport, but in general, like, you know, the, you know, uh, countries like, you know, US or whatever that put across their beliefs and values, we've got to understand, we've got to respect that. We're, you know, what, what we're realizing in, and if you even look at data on a bigger scale, the more, the, the more diverse we are, the better in understanding each other's cultures. So that's, that's all I want to sort of like, uh, you know, comment on on that. I don't know much about the reporter, but in general, when 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 you know uh, when when there's Western influence across, you know, whether it's Eastern or Arab or whatever it is, I think what we've all learned in recent times, and even big business will tell you, is that the more diverse we are, and the more understanding we have about cultures, the better we are, and the more 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 it creates innovation and um, so much more opportunities. So I think the best thing out of the whole thing, out of everything, is just that let's be open-minded to things. And I can give you an example from, from you know, when we worked on the tour. I had so many questions thrown at us first, second day. After that, everyone was pretty happy and just like, wow, this is great. This is so similar to what we're used to, but yet it's a little bit more conservative. It's a different take. And once we get educated, well, we have an understanding. What does this mean for Qatar in terms of their standing maybe within the socio-political hierarchy of, of the Persian Gulf and then sort of from a broader perspective, the Persian Gulf in terms of uh, the, the whole world? Is this seen as, I mean, as we sit here as football fans, this feels very much like the end of something. We've had a 10-year lead in. We've had the World Cup and now it's over. But in terms of the country as a global player, is this seen as the start of something? Because certainly from walking around, there's certainly a lot of construction uh, that's been taken on and still to be completed. So is the nation seeing this as the beginning of their entry into the world? Good question there, Willem. Um, look, it's funny because you, you mentioned that it's a 10-year lead-up. I mean, they've built whole new cities. You know, Lusail wasn't even there or, or um, you know, the Pearl and a whole bunch of different things. So it's great for the for Qatar's infrastructure. If you ask me personally, I think it's great in, in, when you're, in regards to Qatar, in regards to the rest of the Persian Gulf. Well, it's great bragging rights, to be honest. I mean, they're the first to get that. What a wonderful way with the world of sport, like, you know, all that marketing that you've done, just you've got you got yourself on the map. So I think for worldwide, Qatar, I think, it, I think it's great. There's something else I wanted to mention. I don't know if it fits here, but simple things like we'd go to a fan, fest, uh, fan zone and they would have kiosks, little small things, but they have kiosks learn about Islam. So little things like that where people, I, because I'm with Westerners, they go, oh, wow, that's interesting. You know, and you see people coming in there. So the, the, I mean, from a business side of things, great. It puts Qatar on the map, Qatar Airways, etc. 
uh, it makes it more um, strategically uh, as a competition to Dubai now, which is good because competition is great, just in, as in the Gulf or coming in or transiting. And on the world scale, I mean, I'm not sure. Do people from Europe want to come to Qatar on, 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 on you know, holidays? I'm not sure. But they might because it's got, it's got a lot to offer. It's got beautiful beaches. It's got pretty good weather for about three or four months. So there's a lot to offer, you know. So I hope that sort of answers your question. Let's wrap up with last, this last observation, Rich. Um, we, um, uh, we've had a, a, some good discussions uh, since you've been back in Dubai about uh, just what we've experienced together on our journey, uh, you know, organising for hundreds and hundreds of people and then delivering um, our activities and, and then obviously reflecting on it. But um, we have talked a couple of times, imagine just how big the impact of the event would have been um, had of the Persian Gulf states all been involved. Had they been in games in Abu Dhabi and and Muscat in Amman and Dubai and um, Manama in Bahrain and uh, Riyadh or Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. Just imagine the uh, the total impact of the event on the world. Um, has the political competitiveness of um, that region um, led to a missed opportunity, a broader missed opportunity for uh, for football and, and bringing the world together? Really good question. And I'm going to give you my personal views. So I'm not sure. To answer, to, to answer straight, I'm not sure. So I don't have the experience. But it would have been so much better. I mean, there are like literally one-hour flights from each other. You know, and the reach to get football to all those different places would have been absolutely amazing. And, the, you know, the Gulf states, so it would have connected them even better. So, yeah, I think that that was a missed opportunity for sure. But then at the same time, like, it's probably the comment I said before, it's, it's, it's really bragging rights. You know, little brother can, you know, come up and they've done it. So, um, so you've got to look at both. So, but yeah, I, if you ask me personally, I think, can you imagine that you had one game where you had, let's say, Brazil versus whoever in, 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 in Dubai with, with, you know, so many Westerners here and it would have been amazing. So great for the sport. So great for the whole region because each, each culture, each, each, each city, whether it's Bahrain or it's Riyadh or it's Oman, Yet they are the Gulf Gulf countries, but they're all a little bit different. So we, you know, people that would have been gone to visit the games would have got even more education, more, more understanding about what what the Persian Gulf has got to offer. So, hope that answers. It certainly does. So, the last one for me before I hand back to Willem to wrap was um, yeah, I've, I've done this privately, but uh, publicly on behalf of uh, uh, all of my business uh, colleagues, Richard. Thank you for your wonderful contribution and your insight your friendship um it's been a great journey to share with you we'll reunite in the asian cup in january of 2024 looking forward to that but uh also looking forward to when you return to australia uh during the course of the year but uh uh brother rash or dj rash as we call him willem it's been (laughs) it's been a delight to uh, have him uh, participate in our box to box in what i think is a very important discussion for australians who didn't attend the world cup to understand the complexities in a little bit more detail around some of the important uh, issues and uh, discussions that were happening in the Middle East. And and um, congratulations to uh, you and all of your brothers right around uh, 
the Arabic world who've got to experience uh, the Football Cup in their region for the very first time. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure. And you missed out on the World Cup. We're going to be together for the World Cup in... Uh... Oh, that's it. Absolutely. In America and Mexico <laughs> and, uh, and No, Canada. no. I remember talking about an Australian one. The material oh, yeah. The Women's World Cup in Australia, for sure. No, we can't forget about that. No, I've got to say, it was pretty clear, Richard, within a couple of days of meeting you, that you're a very sort of measured and wise man across multiple cultures. But I've got to say, I was very, very impressed uh, when I saw you spinning the decks at the uh, at the Qatar Doha Golf Club. Oh, very good. Yeah, I was dropping the, uh, the, the old uh, Aussie hits. <laughs> uh, thank you very much once again Richard Rashid Hussein there and thank you to Michael Edgley thank you to the listener for tuning in to Box to Box Stoppage Time don't forget to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook uh, we will be back in the new year with our regular show Michael Derrick the crew will be there so hope you out there have a, a very safe uh, new year and we will catch you next time on Box to Box <laughs>